Well, good morning. So amazing that today, with literally millions and millions of other people, and thousands and thousands and thousands of other churches all across this globe, that we gather together to celebrate the greatest event in the history of the world. That three days after the death of Jesus, the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty, and Jesus Christ was no longer there. He had risen from the dead. And because of that, we gather together to celebrate. And I want to welcome everybody to Easter at Crossroads. Those of you here in person, those of you that are at home, or you might be traveling on spring break, but welcome. Welcome. What I want to do today is talk about what I believe is the biggest question of your entire life. There's not a question bigger than this question that we all need to answer. We need to know the answer too. And here's the question. What does it take to be made right with God? What does it take? How do you know if you're right with God? Now, if you ask that question to friends, to family, if we went across the globe asking that question, we're going to get a lot of answers, a lot of answers. Because no matter what you believe, I don't know where you're at, where you come from, we live in a world today that what we would call is a very spiritual, pluralistic society, right? In other words, tolerance has a very high value in our country today. And it's very common for many people to believe things like, I think all roads lead to God. Or, you know what, I don't think it really matters what you believe as long as you're sincere. All world religions are essentially the same anyway. The interesting thing to me is day to day, a lot of people don't think about God. A lot of people don't really think about death. But as soon as someone that you know, someone that you love, passes away, all of a sudden everybody's thinking about it. And as soon as we lose someone we love, almost everyone starts to go towards what I say is a feel-good theology. Doesn't matter how you were raised, doesn't matter what they believe, they start to say something that makes them feel good, like, oh, thankfully she's in a better place. He's not in pain anymore. He's gone to be a, in a better place. He's an angel now, or she's an angel now, looking down over us. They say something that feels good. Now grandma's in a better place looking down on us. I don't know about you, that kind of creeps me out. There's two or three times every day I don't want my grandma looking down on me. You know what I'm saying? Now, it's probably no surprise to you that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And what's really, really interesting to me is that in our world today, you can talk about spiritual things all day long, and it's never controversial. You can talk about a higher power. You can say, you know what, I just kind of, I'm just, I consider myself spiritual. All of those things, none of that is controversial. But as soon as you talk about Jesus, all of a sudden, it's controversial. Did you know that? When you talk about Jesus Christ, all of a sudden it's controversial. And here's what's odd. No one debates whether he was a historical figure or not, that a person really lived, his name was Jesus. People accept that all day long. 
Well, why is it so controversial? I believe it's because of the exclusive claim that Jesus made. People don't get up in arms about Jesus and they believe that he was real. And they believe even in his teachings. He did good stuff. But what's so controversial is that Jesus made an exclusive statement that he's the only way to God. And again, we live in an inclusive world. And he makes an exclusive claim that he's the one way, that all roads don't lead to God, that not all religions are the same. And that's what's so controversial. Matter of fact, these are Jesus's own words. This is exactly what Jesus said. Thomas asked, where are you going? Because he didn't know where he was going. And Jesus answered him and he said this, I am the way, the means one. I am the way, the truth, and the, the life. And then get this, and no one comes to the Father except through me. In a very inclusive world, a very pluralistic world, Jesus makes an exclusive claim and says, I'm the one way. What I want to do today is I want you to think for a moment. I want you, no matter where you come from, what your thought process is, I want you to understand that not all the world religions are the same because only Jesus made the exclusive claim that he's the way. I could give you a quick rundown of all the world religions or some of the major ones to show you how different they are. Buddhists, Buddhism believes there is no God. They don't believe in a final existence. They believe they're going to have countless rebirths. And eventually, you hope to end the cycle. That's what a Buddhist believes. Hinduism, they believe in an, listen, an impersonal God that's reached through deities or little statues. Buddhists nor Hindus believe in there's no offer for forgiveness of your sins. There's no supernatural help, only karma. A Muslim believes in a personal God named Allah, right? A Muslim has no secondary gods, but they totally base their faith on being able to perform well enough to do the right do's and not do the don'ts, and they hope that they get in. And then New Age, there's no type of God. Your goal is to be one with the cosmos, one with the universe. Now contrast all of those with being a Jesus follower who believes in a personal God, who loved his people so much. God so loved the world that he came as a human being and he lived and he suffered and he died that horrible death on the cross. They buried him in a borrowed tomb and three days later, he defeated death and he rose from the dead. And he said, I'm the one way because I'm the only one who's ever defeated death. Here's what I want you to do today. It's really simple. I'm going to ask you to consider Jesus. To consider Jesus. If what he says is true, he's the only way. And I want to be really clear. I'm not going to ask you to consider our church. I'm not. I'm not even going to ask you to consider a denomination. I'm not even going to ask you to consider other Christians because let's just be honest. Some Christians are really, really weird, right? Some are very, very harsh, very, very judgmental. You can get turned off by Christians, but you won't be turned off by 
Jesus. I'm not even going to ask you to consider me. Although I'm a follower of Christ, listen, I'm not perfect. I will let you down if you watch me long enough. If you don't believe that's true, ask my wife. She'll tell you, right? So consider Jesus. Three aspects of his life that I'm going to ask you to consider today. All right? If you're taking notes, if you're sitting at home and you downloaded those or you brought them with you here, if you got them on your phone, fill this in if you would. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Consider the ministry of Jesus. Consider that he came on a mission. He came for you and I. He was on a mission. Mark chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, which essentially tells us why Jesus came. I love this verse. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors, he was hanging out with people that that religion rejected. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? In other words, why does he hang out with these low-life people? Why doesn't he hang out with us religious people? Why would he stoop so low and hang out with sinners? And I love this with all my heart. Because Jesus didn't come for those of us that have it all together. First of all, because the Bible says none of us have it all together. He came for people that needed help, like me. He came for sinners. The Bible says he didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sick. That's you and I. I love that. He didn't come for those who are perfect. If you're here today or you're watching at home and you think you're perfect, you're just badly mistaken. But you just sit there and live in that dream world and polish your halo. None of us are perfect. And not only did he come for sinners, when you look at the ministry of Jesus and you look at the miracles that he did, He healed blind eyes. He healed deaf ears. He caused the mute to speak. That's what he did. He multiplied a little boy's lunch to feed thousands and thousands of people. And here's what's so funny to me. Even the people that hated Jesus saw the miracles that he did. And they didn't deny that he did these miracles. They were trying to figure out where did he get his power from. So consider the ministry of Jesus I look around our church and there are literally hundreds and hundreds of people that are walking miracles of God's work and what he did on the cross and defeating death. We've seen God do amazing things, take people that were a mess and then were transformed by Jesus. They were addicted and now they're free. They were full of hatred and now their hearts are full of love and grace. We've seen people and a person that was just on this stage that had a brain tumor. And it's gone. Listen, I'm a walking miracle. If you knew me before, you'd be amazed. If you say, wow, I'm still not that impressed, you would be if you knew how far I've come. And it gets even more personal than that. My mom, I had more arguments with my mom about God and his grace and his love, and she just couldn't understand. She thought you had to get it all together, and then she'd come to Jesus because she wasn't going to be one of those hypocrites. One day we were blown away. We walked into my mom's house after church. She wasn't there. She said, you'll never guess what I did today. With my mom, anything was possible. I said, what'd you do? She said, I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. 
My wife and I lost it. We bawled. The last time my mom was at crossroads, we baptized my mom. Six days later, my dad found her unconscious, and within two weeks, she was dead. God transformed her life. She was a brand new person. At my mom's funeral, my stepdad, who was very quiet, never wanted to hear about religion or about Jesus, stood up at the end of the service before I was ready to close. He walked towards the casket, tears running down his face. I had asked him if he wanted to speak. He said he didn't think he could. I thought he must have changed his mind. He got to the casket. He turned to a full house of people that were there for my mom's funeral. And through his tears and weeping, he said, I want everybody to know, I just prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior at my mom's funeral. My mom's funeral changed my stepfather's life for eternity. My uncle also gave his life to Jesus that day at my mom's funeral. A few weeks later, I had the privilege of baptizing my stepfather and my uncle. Their lives were transformed. They went public with their faith in Jesus Christ. That's just a few of the stories. And can I tell you something? This past Wednesday, I buried that uncle. But I know where he's at because of what he did with the ministry of Jesus Christ. That is worth celebrating. Consider, consider the ministry of Jesus the second thing, consider the resurrection of Jesus. Why does the resurrection even matter? What is the resurrection? Jesus coming back. He was gone. He was put in a borrowed tomb. They rolled a huge boulder in front of it. Guards were around the clock guarding that because they feared someone might come and try to steal the body. These were the most trained Guards on the planet. They were the fiercest army on the globe. And they guarded this tomb day in and day out. 24 hours around the clock. But you know what happened? <laughs> As Jesus hung on that cross on Friday, after being so beaten beyond recognition, the last words he cried out is, It is finished. Right before that, you know what he said to those that had beat him and tortured him that were mocking him while he's hanging on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. And the Bible says, as he said, it is finished. His work, his mission was complete. The Bible says the entire earth went dark. The ground trembled. The Roman soldiers that had guarded Jesus saw his death, his burial, looked on and said, I didn't believe before, but I believe now. This man was no ordinary man. Surely that man was the son of God. You talking about earth shattering stuff. And Jesus, just as he has predicted, just as he had predicted, said, I will give my life, and three days later, I'll rise from the dead. And three days later, the stone was rolled away, and he was not there. And Peter, one of his disciples who had denied Jesus just three times before that, denied even knowing him because he was afraid of his, for his own life. Hey, I think you're one of those followers. Nope, not me. Hey, hey, hey aren't you? Nope, not me. Nope. Peter was transformed when the tomb was empty. 
and he preached on the resurrection. And in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, listen to this. He said to all this, to the religious leaders, he said, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. He's not dead anymore. He is risen from the grave. And we are, get this, we are witnesses of this. The Roman guards, myself, we, died, we saw it with our own eyes. We saw him come back to life. He's alive. These men that were just denying Jesus' days willing before that were now willing to give their lives for Jesus. It's amazing to me. Listen, 10 of the 11 remaining disciples, Judas took his own life. So there were 11 of the 12 left. Do you know 10 of them died the death of a martyr? You know why Jesus' disciples were willing to die? Who would die for a lie? No one. But they were willing to die for Jesus. You know why? Because they knew he was dead and he came back to life. They witnessed Jesus' death and then three days later, they saw him after he rose from the grave. And my favorite disciple, believe it or not, was Thomas because Thomas was a lot like me. Thomas was probably a lot like some of you sitting here today. Thomas was a doubter. Any doubters here? Any doubters at home? Yeah, be honest. We're doubters. I'm a doubter. You know what Thomas said? I got to see it for myself before I'll believe it. I got to see it for myself. Listen to these words in John chapter 20. It's not on the screen, not in your notes. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. We've seen him with our own eyes. Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and unless I can put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side where they stuck him with a spear, I will not believe. Now get this, a few weeks later, his disciples were in a house. Thomas was with them, and through the, the doors were locked in this room where they were hanging out, and he looks up, and Jesus is standing amongst them. He didn't open, the door was still locked. Now Jesus is in the room. And then here's what Jesus said to Thomas, because he knew Thomas. He said, Thomas, put your finger here. Reach out your hand, Thomas, and put it into my side. And then he said, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. It's amazing to me. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they believe. That's faith. Some of you are like Thomas. You need more. I hope today you get exactly what you've been needing to understand what your purpose of life is. You get one life, right? One life to get right with God. And the statistics on death are overwhelming, one out of every one person dies. Listen, you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. That's what Easter is about. When they said, Thomas, deny your faith, remember the doubter, Thomas? If you deny Jesus, Thomas, we'll let you live. But if you don't deny Jesus, we're going to kill you. You know what Thomas the doubter did? He said, I'll never deny my faith of the one who died and rose again for me. I will stand by him for the rest of my life. You know what they did to Thomas? They drove a stake right through his body. They impaled him. Why? Because he wouldn't deny his faith 
in Jesus. You know why? Because he saw it. He was an eyewitness. The tomb was empty that Christ had risen from the dead. He had put his fingers in the nail prints. He had put his hand in his side. He was willing to die. The third thing I want you to consider is the eternal message of Jesus. The eternal message of Jesus. How are we made right with God? We all need to know that. Romans 3.22 tells us we're made by, right by God with what? We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, who I remind you is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's that exclusive claim. We're made right by God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say you're made right with God by being good enough. By doing the do's and not doing the don'ts and hoping one day you have more good than bad and you get in. That's not what it says. By stop saying in all those cuss words when you go golfing. It's not it. By not yelling at your kids in the car on your way to church on Easter Sunday. Or your wife, you had that yelling match on your way and then you got to the doors when people could hear and say, shut up. We're going to go worship Jesus now. Now smile. <laughs> Act like you like it. <laughs> Why does that always happen on the way to church? I'm just wondering. You might say to you and your wife, ever do that on your way to church? <laughs> nope doesn't happen we drive separate cars every week we do, we, we do. I'm laughing because it's true we ride separately but not because of that yeah she's laughing I hear her listen we're made right with God by placing our faith in, faith in Jesus that's it Here's what Paul said in Romans 3.22. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And that's true of every single one of us, no matter who we are. Don't miss this. This is true for everyone who believes. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how bad you've been how much you've messed up. It doesn't matter how many people that you've hurt. It doesn't matter how many times that you've sinned. You're made right with God, not because of your performance, but because Jesus' performance was perfect. And he took the penalty that you and I deserved on himself on that cross. He became your sin and mine on that cross. That's the difference between any religion and a relationship with the only God that defeated death. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to offer us a gift of eternal life, a gift. He came to show us the love of God. Religion is all about how you perform. Every religion just has a different list of do's and don'ts. Jesus came so you and I could have a relationship with God. But he paid the ticket. And you and I can receive it when by faith we trust in him the one way. And because he loves me, I want to obey him. He's changed my life. He's changed the, the person that I am, the husband that I am, the father I am, the grandfather I am. 
I owe my life to the one who gave his life for me. Now here's where I stand. Are you ready? Don't miss this. Here's where I stand. If there's a God who claims to be the son of God, who claims to be the one and only way to the father, and he predicts his own death, and he predicts that after three days in a grave dead, he would rise from the dead. And he dies a horrible death on a cross. And three days later, he does exactly what he said he would do. He rose from the dead. I'm going with that guy. I'm going with that guy. I'm going with the one who came to this earth for me. Someone who is a sinner, someone that has a past, someone that's very sorry for a lot of the things I've done. And the God that showed me that he loves me so much, he would sacrifice his son for me. Because of what he did for me, the only reasonable response is Jesus, take my whole life my whole life. I want to use the rest of my life to point people to you. Because everyone I love and care about one day will die. And then what? We've got one life to understand this truth that Jesus is the only way and by faith turn from our sin and turn to him. Some of you, that's where you're at today. I hope you got what you needed today. I hope you've not only considered Jesus, but you're saying to yourself, wow, because Jesus of who you are and because of what you did, by faith, the only reasonable response is yes. Take my life. I give it to you completely because you gave your life to me. It's the only reasonable response. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we pray that you would do miracle after miracle today <laughs> because of the perfect work of Jesus. Listen, some of you here are followers of Jesus. Some of you listening in, you're followers of Jesus. But my guess is you're like me. You've got some friends, some family members, some neighbors, some coworkers that don't know Jesus. Don't give up on them. Pray for them. Invite them to a place where they can hear the truth. Pass this along. It'll be on our website afterwards. For those of us that are followers, to say thank you on this Easter Sunday to the God that so loved us that he gave his one and only son doesn't even seem like enough. But God, thank you. I can't imagine as a dad or as a grandpa giving up one of my kids for addicts, alcoholics, people that have hurt others and hurt themselves. I can't fathom doing that. 
but you did. Thank you. With her head still bowed and her eyes closed, can I ask you? Are you right with God? You say, oh, pastor, I've got my own beliefs. I've got my own ideas. Listen, I get that. But Jesus said with his own mouth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's not two ways or three or five or ten ways to God. You can have all your beliefs, but what if your beliefs are wrong? According to my Bible, there's one way. His name is Jesus. It's not about a religion. It's about a personal relationship. It's not about you working or performing and hoping. It's about you trusting in the only one who was perfect. And when you trust him by faith and you turn from your sin and you turn to him as your only hope, he gives you the free gift. Listen, the gift. You can't earn it, buy it, perform for it. He gives you the gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus, the one way. You say it almost sounds too good to be true. Yeah, that's why we call it amazing grace. It blows our mind because it doesn't seem right. You see, God did it in such a way through his son Jesus where it couldn't be messed up. If that's you today, wherever you're watching from, whether you're seated here in this room, if you're ready to have your life transformed, your sins all forgiven, and be adopted into God's family and establish a personal relationship with him. Make this your prayer from your heart to God's ears. Listen, you may believe God in your head. Today it moves 18 inches from your head to your heart. You own it for yourself. Say, God, if all this is true today, I want it. I admit that I'm a sinner. I've done many, many things wrong. But right now I turn from my sin and I turn to you Jesus, the one way. And with everything I'm about, I give you my heart and my life. Come and take up residence in me. Transform me. I'm not going to walk out of here with a new leaf turned over, but a brand new life. Behold, all things are new. The old is gone. The new has come. I say thanks. In the name that is above every other name the name of Jesus. And everybody said, and everybody typed in chat. Amen.